Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. My name is Ashutosh Manoth. And I'm Dhruv Gupta and you're listening to Lahatan V Pratan. Today's episode is going to be a bit different because we have one of many proud customers of ServiceNow. Apart from that, our guest is also the product owner for Ashutosh team. Let me have the privilege to introduce Paul van Rensler. How are you, Paul? Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, very good. Very good. Thanks for inviting me. It's an honor to have you. Uh, tell us something about the NN Group and your role in the organization. Yeah, sure. So NN Group goes by sort of two names. In the Netherlands, it's fully pronounced like Nationale Nederlanden, but globally, it's more known as the company name NN Group. It's a big insurance company used to be part of ING actually and got separated around five, six years ago in a big insurance company. And it serves actually uh, all around the world. I think most uh, European countries in Japan, Turkey. And part of that um, big company is uh, since four years also a lovely service now uh, instance, which they are using for uh, many lovely things, which we'll probably talk about. <laughs> and my specific role in um, NN Group is I used to be um, the program manager and project manager at the time who launched the ServiceNow instance and made sure with the projects ITSM, GRC, and HR was implemented. But nowadays, I'm uh, what they call the platform product owner, which means so much as that uh, we do uh, obviously the lifecycle management, the upgrades, but a lot also of innovation and hackathons. Um, incubator for new things so uh, yeah it's a bit of both worlds and we support a lot of all the other product owners who work for ITSM, HR, facility management and all the other lovely modules. That's um, my role within NN Group and lastly I think um, I'm also kind of an advocate in uh, the Netherlands so I uh, love to be involved with other customers so uh, recently i got the great honor of becoming one of the snug uh, chairs so uh, i even get more contact with customers now that's amazing awesome so since you are a product owner paul what do you think about service now as a product wow that's a very big question um what do i think of service now as a product i think that service now uh, obviously, it's a great product, and I think it made already 10 years ago a big difference for corporates where processes were extremely difficult in order to get from A to B to C, and ServiceNow, I think, made a big difference first in IT. Um, but right now, how I see ServiceNow is ServiceNow is really transforming, I think, the way we do processes in general. It doesn't really matter if we talk about FM, HR, or business things, or insurance, or logistics. It doesn't really matter if you want to bring something from A to B to C. ServiceNow is a very easy tool, I think, to uh, build and facilitate that. And I think with that, yeah, it's becoming a very strong player in the market. I do not even know if there is a competitor which is now even close to ServiceNow anymore. So yeah, I think it's... Um, Great platform. I have to say, I also see the uh, the risks in their rapid growth. Sometimes I feel they're growing so enormously fast that they can't keep up with their own success. And 
you probably uh, <laughs> notice this yourself when you develop on something completely new in a new release that sometimes it's a bit 0.5-ish instead of 1.0. Uh, but besides that, I think the, the steps they're taking and the risks they're taking in new areas is uh, amazing. Yeah. We need to be like one release behind that, what we have discovered in Tokyo release. So we were going through some uh, live streams for Tokyo features, and we yeah. realized that you should stay one release behind because oh, really patchy stuff as well. But yeah, uh, the story of NN Group for citizen development specifically uh, is quite motivating. Can you share that journey? Because I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been easy. Yeah, it's a long journey, and um, it all starts with vision. I think, why do you even want to do citizen development? It's a buzzword. I think beforehand, you should be very clear why you want to even start with citizen development. I think there are three big reasons. One thing is uh, service now capacity. You probably notice it's hard to get colleagues <laughs> in the field. It's really hard to get uh, good service now developers. Uh, the second thing is, I think the level of work that ServiceNow developers can do ranges a lot from extremely simple to extremely difficult. And especially the, the simple work, which for instance are creating catalog items, uh, modifying a small piece of a flow, just adjusting some text or some data. Um, in my opinion, is not always worth the time of very senior uh, developers. So my vision there was, how would it be if somehow we could give that control to the business or to the actual users, but still put guardrails uh, around that so they can't destroy anything in ServiceNow, but they have control over their own data and capability. That's reason two. And I think uh, reason three is um, adoption of the platform. I think by doing citizen development, it's a bit of a um, nice trick to lure people uh, to try something out in ServiceNow and then they get addicted like we are now, huh? with the three of us, <laughs> and they get addicted <laughs> as well and they want more. So they come to me like, Paul, I want to do more in ServiceNow. So that's how it started. And um, how the implementation went initially is just um, very small. I would always say, if anybody asks me, and I get the question a lot, how do I start with citizen development? I always tell them, start super small. Don't start with a big vision and a big implementation. Just pick one thing where you think there's a lot of mundane work that my developers are doing, which I can easily automate or make self-service. And in our case, that was uh, creating catalogs. So our uh, service request fulfillment, let's say. And we had like, um, I think we made a calculation. It was one and a half FTE. Um, sorry, one and a half day per week that somebody was working nonstop on catalog items, nothing else, um, with two persons. So that's three days a week that people are just nonstop building catalog items. And I thought, yeah, that, this is just crazy. We need to make this more easy. Um, so yeah, then we started with self-service uh, catalog management as our first uh, subject to make it citizen development. And yeah, then you're going to think, how can I enable this? And um, without explaining everything in a lot of detail, I think uh, the components are, you need to have 
uh, automation from your development test acceptance to your production environment in place, so a CI/CD pipeline sort of. Uh, you need to be able to control the rights that people cannot do more than what they're supposed to do. Uh, yeah, and how do you say this whole process should not take more time for developers than just building the catalog item. So this whole process should help the developers, right? If it's the whole overhead is more time than actually creating the catalog item, still you're just uh, making more work. And that's how you start. And when you have that in place, uh, the sky is the limit, I would say. Yeah, start super small and put guardrails. That's the keywords for me. So it's now if any customer is listening, it's a golden words. Just follow these advice. Or come to us, Paul and me are reaching. You should get royalty for that. Yes. <laughs> but Paul, I think we were the one of the first companies in Europe to do this. I think so. I, I remembered um I remember the first time we had the idea, you and me. Uh, we sat in a room together and I was a bit complaining to you about how much time we were spending on catalog items. When we were building this, I remember we had a call with, um, I think his name was Marcus Torres, the the, the product, product uh, sorry, the platform product owner in the US. He was just new. I think he came from uh, another high tech company and I met him at Knowledge. And the first thing he said is like, I'm going to build this as well. And I hate update sets. That those were the two first thing I remember him saying. So I already loved him after five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so indeed he told me indeed you're a bit ahead of the curve because we are going to create something self-service in um, uh, the next two releases. And then we already had a minimal viable product uh, working in production. Yeah, Drew, do you know Paul is a great singer? A gamer, he was a uh, radio jockey and a marathon runner. Um, I don't know how do you get so much time, Paul. He must be having a duplicate or a twin. <laughs> Just not sleeping, huh? <laughs> yeah. Don't sleep. Sleep is overrated. <laughs> so tell us about these things, Paul. How you became a singer, a gamer, a jockey, a radio jockey, a runner. So tell us about how do you manage the time. Oh man, um, I'm just a very passionate person, I think. So I just love to, um, besides my work in IT, to pour my passion into something else. And uh, I just have a love for music. So uh, my girlfriend, for instance, is a classical singer, uh, which is a rare kind of job, right? You don't hear that every day. Uh, and myself, I love a lot of uh, different kinds of music and I wanted to do something with it. So I just thought, what is the coolest thing you can do with music so i thought radio it's a bit nerdy you can just uh, do the yeah. slider thingies and talk and do the cool intros um so i just called my local radio station and just asked them can you teach me and that's uh how the the addiction started for uh, <laughs> radio djing and then for um gaming i always games that's how i got in it so i just love to relax with friends or uh, just alone and play a little game uh, on uh, my PC or uh, PlayStation. Yeah, and the running. Um, I've always um, uh, done a lot of uh, mountain biking in history. When I was very young, when I was 12 years old, uh, I did it on quite a high level. So uh, on, uh, let's say on, I did tournaments and I went with my dad together uh, abroad to other countries to do tours there. I loved it. 
but as you both might know, I have a problem with my eyes. I've, uh, I'm a visual impaired uh, person. So at some point I couldn't uh, mountain bike anymore. So I thought, what is the next best thing to mountain biking where you can still be in the forest? And that was running. So uh, yeah, I built uh, a new sport, which was uh, mountain biking or uh, running. Yeah, but just I will tell the audience, this guy also did uh, skiing recently. Uh, I think it was in Austria. Because still he is, I know he has some issues with his eyes, but his passion and his, I would say, guts are unbelievable because I can see everything, but I don't have that. I have that fear to do uh, skiing, but he did it. So it, it was a motivation for all, all of us and the team as well. That if he can do it, let's go together next time to do it. Thanks, mm-hmm. you. Uh, That's great. The same with NN Group. If NN Group can go with citizen development, every customer can go with that. So tricky question, Paul. Uh, what do you prefer, work from home or going to office? Hmm. Uh, oh, I like the mix a lot. Um, I used to go every day to the office. I live two hours travel from the office. So it's two hours one way to get to the office for me. So it's a long trip. This week right now is actually a week I go four days straight to the office. I find it kind of heavy. But I have to say I'm really enjoying being at the office. The the, the You've probably heard this before. The small talks and just the run into your colleague of two departments further and just have that chat with that person from security about how he's doing. Uh, I really miss that. Uh, I felt, especially as a product owner, that you're a bit in between the team and management. You're not, obviously you're part of the team, but you're not non-stop working with the team. And I'm also not non-stop working with management. So you're a bit in between. So it can be a bit lonely if you work at home. You work sometimes uh, seven hours straight by yourself. And at the office, yeah, you have a lot of social interaction. So um, if I had to choose with a gun on my head, I would say the office. I might be the awesome. opposite one, the lazy one. <laughs> <laughs> still, he is not married. He does not have any kids and still he wants to stay home. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go to knowledge, Paul. Uh, how was your experience attending the first European knowledge? Um Honest answer, uh, mixed. I was both positive and uh, and a bit negative. I think the, it was great to meet more Dutch people. I think we saw some Dutch customers now at Knowledge, which um, I haven't spoken to before because they couldn't fly all the way to Las Vegas. That was amazing. I thought the uh, the Product manager sessions were also quite nice. I had like the product manager demo of uh, ITSM, which I really liked, and for Etom. Uh, but the part where I have a bit mixed feelings is uh, it felt a bit rushed somehow, knowledge in the Hague. I could really feel there were three events at the same time. And uh, I also felt a bit there were too many people for a too small space. <laughs> So especially me with my cane as a visual impaired, I bumped into a lot of people uh, during uh, the day, more than in Vegas. So I thought it was a bit um, uh, rushed, some things, especially you probably noticed this, those meetings downstairs at Knowledge, that big 
floor where there were these open presentations. Sometimes there were like these, how do you call these theater sessions and people were standing like 10 meters behind the theater uh, screens and they couldn't even see the PowerPoint anymore. So yeah, I thought that was a bit um, that could have been done better. But still, I thought the content of some of the presentations were uh, amazing. So presentation of ASML, which was great. Um, I thought the keynotes were quite good. Uh, so yeah, mixed mixed back. And did you attend that last concert of Jamie? Yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you a funny story, Drew. Um, being visually impaired and having a cane has its benefits. So uh, I came to the theater room and like half the theater room was already packed. So the first 20 rows were already uh, filled. But I came in with my cane and I was together with someone and there was somebody from uh, the, the building and uh, I asked him, ah, I'm really a big fan of Jamie Cullum. I, I, I actually am a big fan of Jamie Cullum. Can I please get a seat which is a bit more in front? And she literally put me in the first row, oh, right that's... in front of Jamie Cullum. I could high five Jamie Cullum. <laughs> yeah. So uh, here are the benefits. <laughs> he, he also, for the keynotes, he had a seat reserved next to him for me, but you and me were in the traffic group while ah, heading don't, towards. Don't, don't put it on traffic. You were already <laughs> late by one hour. You came to my. I was ready one hour before, and that fellow came one hour late, saying the reason he gave, I took the wrong turn. Yes. Why the hell you are staying in Hague for three years? What have you been doing there? Almer is really long from Amsterdam, uh, from the Hague. I see a pattern now, Ashutosh. Now I hear Drew saying the same things we do at the office. Hmm. No, 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 no. It was not true. He's just pulling my legs. Nice. Uh, so coming back to service though, any key pointers uh, that you like to mention uh, that are important while designing governance strategy for App Engine Studio or AES? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a big topic. Um, I solely believe that if you want to do App Engine scoped apps or citizen development kind of things, uh, really, the basics need to be in order. Without the basics in order, you can really not start. And I know that sounds a bit annoying because people want to start tomorrow, and I understand that, but it really doesn't work if you don't prepare. So what are the things I, you need to think about? Uh, one thing I already called was the CICD pipeline. That is really important. Obviously, in the old-fashioned way, uh, we designed, we tested, we did acceptance testing, and then we went to production. We still need to do sort of that same thing now with uh, App Engine and with citizen development. So you need to have something in place where you can press a button and you can automatically run or ATF tests or other kinds of tests to test if the system doesn't collapse if you put it to production. Uh, but also some other things, right? That people don't get more rights than they're uh, supposed to get. Um, uh, yeah, if there is not a duplicate um, uh, configuration being done that you've developed something which is already there developed by someone else and all these things need to be in place uh, before you go to uh, production and that goes the same I think with uh, building a scopes app because if you have the foundation in place um, going forward and moving forward is quite straightforward I think if you have the foundations in place 
if you know if you press the button, everything will be tested and you see green, 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 and everything is okay, uh, you can trust that if you put it in production, it will be okay. Um, so yeah, I would say that's one thing, uh, having the foundations in place, but this is all technical, what I just spoke about. The other part is governance. How do you uh, agree with your stakeholders and with the other product owners, what kind of rights you're giving them and how much they can do? When I still remember Shu and me having a conversation about where does citizen development begin and where does it end? When are you not anymore a citizen developer? When do you become an actual ServiceNow developer? Where, where is that, 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 that line? Uh, and I find it still a bit difficult sometimes. Yeah, we have citizen developers who want to do crazy uh, scripted REST API things to other tools and pipelines where I think, okay, <laughs> this is maybe a bit more than citizen development. So yeah, there we, for now, draw a line. Uh, but you need to put this on paper. So you need to have some sort of document which describes this is the process, this is what you can do, um, this is what you can't do, and if they still want to do it, what is then the other process? So how can they get full access to uh, ServiceNow as a developer, and what are the steps then? And last thing, in order to get the uh, App Engine um, and citizen development running is uh, the feedback loop. That's uh, and this is so hard because uh, I think we're a bit stubborn as ServiceNow developers sometimes. We think we know everything. <laughs> but yeah, the customer is the customer, right? Sometimes they desire something which might not be super out of the box or yeah, technically a bit difficult. But yeah, if they desire it, we need to think along with them. Uh, so yeah, I still remember that people told me Paul's amazing, citizen development, but it's super hard to the training. We can't follow the training, it's super technical. So can you build something which is more, yeah, easy for us to learn how to develop in ServiceNow? And our initial answer is go to ServiceNow website, watch some videos and uh, have fun in the sun. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> then you give people videos. So then we came up with the idea of using um, guided tours and let people do guided tours in the backend. So that you literally have a click by click experience, like uh, in order to put your changes in an update set, please click here. Hey, here's the radio voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, uh, that's the last piece. And if you all combine that, so the governance uh, and setting the rules and having it on paper, the technical infrastructure and the boundaries, and uh, a way how you can process feedback. Uh, I think you're there. Then, then you have everything in place to start. But to give a little bit of perspective, it took us, I think, a year to build the initial part. And we already had built a year long for a CI CD pipeline. So, in total, it took us two years to build everything. Yeah, to be stable, yes. Um, but also, Paul, we started before App Engine Studio was in, even introduced. So, we started with the studio. So, few people are on App Engine and few are still on studio because app engine does not have all the capabilities which are in studio so that is yeah. a mix yeah that's absolutely true and that's again how you sometimes get uh, overtaken by service now out of the box things yep. it's difficult for a product owner sometimes right you get a question from the business and you think it might take four months to build it 
And then you see somewhere on the roadmap of service now, they're sort of building the yeah. same thing in the next release. And you're like, yeah, shall I do it? <laughs> no. Or shall I wait? Yeah, I still remember our first team, which went live was after three months of setting up the initial setup. So that was already a success. Um, so, but yes, so the next question, Paul, is is service now capable enough to be recognized as ESM tool? Mm-hmm. I know why you're asking this question to me. <laughs> <laughs> you can say no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, you're right, you're right. Uh, um, it depends on the definition of ESM, I would say. Uh, but initial answer, yes. I think right now it's capable of being an ESM tool, but not for very long yet. I think uh, just for two years it is capable since App Engine Studio is that mature. And the uh, automation which you can trigger with integration hub is that mature. I think right now it is capable of doing ESM. But it starts with what is enterprise service management, right? Because we at NN, for instance, have a different uh, yeah, definition, I think, for it than we have um, on paper uh, in the when you look online. So enterprise service management, uh, I think the definition somewhere says that the best practice of IT service management is being used as capabilities all across the enterprise. So it's not saying copy-paste ITSM. That's not what it's saying. It's saying use the capabilities. So use ticketing, workflow, uh, a data model, which in IT calls is called CMDB, um, and use that principle in all the other parts of your business. That is ESM with the goal that everybody has one experience, one interface, one technicality, um, but with us, within NN Group, we've decided to start only in the uh, supporting departments. So the FM, HR, IT, legal, procurement, those kind of departments, uh, but not actually enter the business yet. Uh, and here, if you ask me again the question, is ServiceNow capable of doing ESM? I think it's fully capable of doing it for supporting services, for business services, I think ServiceNow just entered that domain, right? I think two years ago, they started with the insurance product offering and the banking offering and the logistics offering. Hey, but here they're entering the realm of SAP and other very well-established names in the business already, right? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know yet there on those areas. I need to still see and believe it that uh, I think ServiceNow will make it eventually, but right now to say, stop all our business tools, just put ServiceNow there. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what is the biggest pain of being a product owner? Only one? <laughs> <laughs> you can limit your answer to two minutes, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, two minutes. Oh, no, man. Okay, then I will not pick my technique as an example. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no joke. Um, I, I think it's easy for me. The biggest problem uh, of being a ServiceNow product owner is what I really hate about ServiceNow. There's one thing I really hate about ServiceNow, and that is sometimes ServiceNow comes with a second version of something. Like, do you remember we still had ITSM, the, the normal ITSM, and then we went to the standard problem management and standard incident management. They came with sort of a, a, a out-of-the-box standard, which they were building on. 
They never yep. give you something to go from A to B. Also with the CMDB, when they went to the CSDM, I think a lot of companies are struggling right now with getting to CSDM since it's so complex. There are lots of articles, there are lots of videos, but there's not an actual tool which helps you migrate from left to right. Uh, and this is my biggest pain. I really hate this. Sometimes we get, uh, I'm already afraid when we get a new app engine studio where you've built so many things on it. Yeah, and if they come with a new version, we need, we need to ourselves go to the new version or hire an external company. And I really uh, don't like that. Uh, I feel sometimes we're doing things over and over again. So that's my biggest pain. Almost in two minutes. <laughs> this, this this podcast seems like a crash MBA course now. So <laughs> another question. According to you, what's better? Uh, bigger single service now team or small teams based on modules like one team for ITOM, one for ITSM, maybe? Don't kill I, me after saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, uh, I uh, but the answer is easy, I think. Uh, it depends on how mature you are with search now. It really depends. I think if you start and you have one module or two modules and your user base is relatively a small to medium, one team for sure. It can have oversight, it can control the whole platform. Uh, the tech lead I think is capable of, of seeing everything. Um, but we experienced at NN also, and I see this also at other companies in the Netherlands, at some point you grow, um, uh, not only in width, so you're not only taking more modules, but you also go into depth. You go full all the way with ITSM and you try to utilize the complete module. You do the same thing with HR, and then it's impossible for one team. They cannot keep up anymore with all the developments and um, how do you say, do something very specifically in GRC with uh, 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 test of design and test of effectiveness, and the next day do something for discovery. It's It's too difficult. So that's the point I think where you split up. Um, and then I think you come to the last place where we have just arrived, I think last year as an end, which is at some point, every module goes so deep and has a big team who works on that one module. You need something overarching. You need someone to help with, um, uh, if you touch global scope, for instance, it's nice as a discovery team if you just fiddle around with global scope, but you might impact the security guys. But who's telling the discovery guys they can't touch those global components? I think a central team. That's where the platform team comes in, I think. Uh, so that's the third uh, flavor. So start small again. It's a red thread through this podcast. Eh? Start small. Yeah, start small with one team. <laughs> Then expand with multiple teams, and at some point you need a center of expertise or a platform team to set guidelines and to support the other product owners and teams. Great. Let's make it lightweight now. When are you going on your next vacation, Paul? Ah, you, you want lease, no? You want an <laughs> easy escape. <laughs> when Ashutosh is asking me this, he wants to implement something yeah. without my approval, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all. That's all. When he goes on leave, we do. I mean, we always make a fun of this. When Paul is on leave, half of the work gets done. <laughs> oh, that's, that's bad. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Painful. Okay. Um, uh, to be honest, I think my first 
next holiday is in January, and I will go on that skiing holiday. Yep. Which is in um, uh, in Austria, and it's the first time I'm going with. Um, uh, no, the second time. Sorry, it's the second time I go with a foundation. Normally, I always went with my parents and two friends. Now we still go with my parents and friends, but with a foundation, which is great. It is a, uh, a foundation where there are uh, normal people like you and me who do three courses to become an instructor to guide visually impaired people. Uh, and they're like, really, they're normal people. They have a normal job and then they once a year they go on this holiday and they guide, let's say, visually impaired and blind people uh, down the ski piste. Uh, and it's lots of fun. It's great because every day you have a different uh, guy who's guiding you. And that person, uh, I have one guy who was very high in uh, DHL and uh, the transportation company. Another lady was a teacher at the university and another guy was already with pension. So every day you have a different guy or girl who is guiding you down the slope. Uh, yeah, and obviously at the end of the day, the upper ski is bigger than when you're just with four of you. Then you were 20 people in the upper ski. Yeah, you're a yeah. you will manage. Exactly. <laughs> so, Ashutu, this one is for you. Oh, not for you. Paul, the question is for you, but it's related to Ashutosh. Is Ashutosh a reliable asset? <laughs> so this is the moment we kick him out of uh, the call or not? Yeah. <laughs> I will be back. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, here's the brag moment then. Um, yeah, Ashutosh is, um, uh, is for me uh, uh, the key pillar in NN Group 4 ServiceNow. I can... It sounds like I know everything and I do everything, but I could have never, ever done it without Ashutosh. I think we are like sparring partners. So we we share a lot of ideas together. I'm a bit of, I think I'm a bit like the innovator who comes up with crazy new ideas. And I go to Ashutosh and uh, Ashutosh tells me, Paul, thanks for the idea. It's impossible to implement. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> or let's have a whiteboard session and see how we can get there. Um, but I think Ashutosh is a is a man who can do so many things. He's and technically very capable. Obviously, he's three times MVP, uh, so he's obviously very capable. But on social level as well, he also took for two years now people under his wing to train them and to educate them in service now. So he's not taking the stage himself all the time. He's training other people. Yeah, and last but not least, I think he's uh, what I said, my right hand. So um, uh, I'm more for the business and for the desire of the business and to see where they want to go in roadmap. And, and Ashutosh helps me making it more concrete and to realize that vision. Uh, so yeah, I could uh, obviously have never done it without Ashutosh. So don't leave. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's a team thing. And I remember you saying in the, during your session on in knowledge, you said that he's your go-to person. He's my go-to person as well. So, yeah. And the last thing I might want to say, I think uh, we also obviously became friends, Ashu and me. Uh, I'm not just saying that to give you a compliment, but how that helps is that I think Ashitos doesn't feel, uh, but you need to tell me if it's true, Ashu. <laughs> <laughs> now you can obviously not say no anymore, but <laughs> I think there's no barrier for you to come to me and tell me, Paul, you're really going to the wrong direction. Stop and go all the way, go the other way. Um, 
And that makes it very good, right? Sometimes I am also completely wrong in my idea. Yeah, and people think, well, Paul talks a lot. He's enthusiastic. Let's just let him go. Uh, but Ashutosh sometimes hits the brake and says, Paul, stop. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. And, and actually, that is the way we have built our relationship. And uh, this is the way how Dutch culture is very straightforward and transparent. And that is, it was hard for me to learn in the initial phases. I was saying yes to everything. But now I say no to everything, mm. I think. <laughs> Not no to everything. It's just the, but, uh, when you grow with the platform and the team, the expectation of the customers, like the way you have implemented service now, you have put on the culture that where people dream and when you dream there is no limits mm. so you just need to put the garters that's great uh Dhruv. i think that's a very important thing indeed uh, unleash your developers and let them just dream that's also yeah. i think uh, why uh, we also sometimes do uh, hackathons uh, so people have no rules there's no security or compliance or whatever just destroy uh, uh how do you say a developer instance just go crazy just make nuts out of it. Uh, one out of context question. Do you think there could be any use case of blockchain that might fit an insurance company like NN? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for the people who don't know me, I'm indeed also a bit interested in blockchain and in crypto. Uh, so I spend a lot of time in the space. Um, I'm not fully sure yet, um, but I think so. Yes, I think uh, the service now could be a great combination with blockchain. Uh, right now, a lot of blockchains, I think, are struggling in some spaces how to govern it and keep oversight. I think the, the, the security and how technical the blockchain is, how it works, is great. I think it's super secure. Uh, how smart contracts work in general is, is, is a great way, I think, of uh, exchanging information in a way which cannot be corrupted. Uh, so, yeah, that's particularly interesting for a bank or insurance company. But you still need as a big corporate uh, oversight, right? You need to manage everything. Uh, yeah, well, where are your customers? Um, what kind of requests have they done before? Um, how long are they waiting already for certain things? And the blockchain is not telling you that. It just helps with doing the transaction, let's say. Uh, so you need sort of a service management layer on top of the blockchain. And I haven't seen it anywhere yet at a big corporate. I even feel sometimes in the blockchain space that if you say corporate and blockchain in one sentence, those are the two unholy things to say in one sentence, which I think is not true. I think it's just an evolution in technology blockchain. And it should totally be adopted by big corporates with the way how we control it and have grip on the blockchain. Um, that's not fully sure to me yet. I think something like a CSM kind of module on top of the blockchain would be great. That you can manage customer interactions with underneath the instances talking with the blockchain and triggering the blockchain, something like that. That's what ServiceNow is working on, I can tell you. Uh, they're building an interface where the blockchain would be Hedra and other blockchain as well. So ServiceNow will provide an interface yeah. that could interact with the your blockchain specifically. Oh, great. Yeah. You need to look into that, uh, Ashur. Sounds good. Uh, safe Harbor. But something is coming your way, Paul, already. Uh, let's talk on that later. 
<laughs> uh, but next question Paul is about do you have any childhood incident that is still fresh in your mind somewhere in the corner <laughs> a positive incident or a negative incident positive of course ah okay okay, okay. Yeah, that's right <laughs> um nice nice question let me think um yeah the first thing that pops up is a positive one so i told you i was a mountain biker and when I was, I think, 14 years old, I was quite good. And we went to the to Belgium, where it's more hilly. And I was not experienced at all cycling in other countries where there are big hills and big slopes and uh, anything. So at some moments, we had a downhill uh, uh, road, which was really, really, really steep. And I didn't know you need to, uh, if you brake on a downhill track, you need to... Uh, Hit the brake and release, hit the brake, release, hit the brake, release. Don't pull your brake because the, the tires will stop and you will just shift down and uh, go in the ravine and you die. <laughs> hmm. So, but I did that. I just hit the brake and I just slide it down and like one centimeter before the ravine, I stopped. Uh, but I couldn't find my balance. So I stopped at the ravine, but I was almost falling off my bike. So if I fell to the left, I fell in the ravine. And if I fell to the right, I would survive. And just before I fell, um, my father grabbed my hand and pulled me back uh, on the road. And I still remember, if you ask me this, I can even still visualize the ravine. I exactly know how it looked like. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Now it's a game time. We have an interesting game for you, and it's related to your hobby. And I know how much you are a fan of that particular thing. So we have set up a game. Uh, so let's start. Dhruv, the first question is, so, so mainly the game is, I will give the background. The game is about the songs. You need to tell the singers. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> and now I'll I'll record it. <laughs> Dhruv. Uh, no gift hamper at the end, but here is your first one. Despacito. So, uh, oh, okay, so you're naming the title and I need to... Yeah, uh, the name. Ah, okay, like that. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, under pressure, guys. Um, <laughs> um, oh, what was the name of the guys again? Um, no cheating. No um, cheating. <laughs> no, skip. Let's go to the skip. next one. It's Louis uh, Fonsi. Oh, yeah, Louis Fonsi. Yeah. The next one is See You Again. You know this guy. The The name of the song is See You Again. Yeah, I know Khalifi. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Great. Next cool. one is... At least I have one. <laughs> <laughs> next one is Roar. R-O-A-R. Katy Perry? Yes. Great. Next is Thinking Out Loud. Uh, Ed Sheeran? Oh, my God. Yes. Nailing it. I... Uh, you belong with me. Oh, I don't know that one, I think. You belong with me? A famous one. Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> Taylor Swift. I don't even know the song. Taylor Swift. Ah, okay. No, I hate I hate Taylor Swift. So don't <laughs> <laughs> Next one is last one. Uh I think this is no, not last one. Uh, Dame tu cosita. What? <laughs> Dame, <laughs> Dame tu cosita. It's, it's a famous song with that uh, green color guy dancing. 
Dame tu cosita. No, I have no clue. No? <laughs> But it sounds <laughs> awesome. El combo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Great. Does that nice. you score pretty nice? So, yeah. Back to question. Just like any Dutch, do you like traveling? I'm sure you would. Yes, of course. Yeah, traveling is great. What is your favorite place and favorite cuisine? Um, that's an impossible question. I think there are too many <laughs> great different countries to pick one, but um, I have the best memory from Peru. Peru has the, uh, Peru has everything, I think, and I, amazing culture. Oh, what do you want to say, Ashu? I knew this was the answer because I had a discussion with him on this at his place. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Peru has everything. It has and culture and cuisine and uh, obviously amazing nature. Uh, and I think uh, since 10 years, they do a lot of fusion cooking. So it's a lot of and South American and world cooking. So yeah, it's great. Okay. Any and recommend? Go. go go ahead go ahead. So I was saying like any recommendation on must see places in Netherlands? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll name a not popular one then. Um, I would say uh, go to the place where I was born. Uh, it's a big nature area called De Veluwe, mm -hmm. and De Veluwe is um, an amazing nature area which has. Um, Uh, plain fields, forests, small little lakes, uh, and everything quite close to each other. So I think within 20-25 kilometers, uh, if you would take a mountain bike, for instance, uh, you could see all those things uh, within that area. And it's beautiful. There are a lot of animals as well, so uh, it's very possible you would see deers and um, uh, small little boars. Uh, yeah small little animals and birds so yeah it's a beautiful place yeah um That's nice well any uh so basically this was really motivating whatever we speak but do you have any seamless plugins uh like are you going on marathon or do you have anything related to service now coming up oh good one uh let's see um Yeah, well, if I can plug, then I will plug the snuff. Uh, I think um, the user group has been a bit dormant because of the uh, COVID, obviously. People didn't come to physical events anymore. We have an amazing event coming up in November being announced in the upcoming weeks where we go to ABN Emro and where we'll have an amazing uh, snuff event. Uh, the CIO of ABN Emro will also speak there and tell their amazing story about uh, environmental friendly uh, doing business. So yeah, if you're a Dutch customer, I would say it doesn't matter if you're very mature or you just started ServiceNow, or I even heard some people are still thinking about buying ServiceNow, come to the event. Because if you speak to other customers, you don't only speak to, for instance, me, who has worked for a long time, but you also speak to people who also took their baby steps. So all flavors are there. Come to the snuff. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> and where can the users reach out to you, uh, or sorry, our listeners? What is the best place to reach out to you, Paul? LinkedIn. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Look me up on LinkedIn. There are two Paul Varenselaars. 
So the, the the most pretty one is not me. So pick pick, pick, <laughs> pick, pick the ugly one. That's me. <laughs> and if you shoot me a direct message, uh, then I'll reply. Perfect. Paul, thanks for being there. I personally learned a lot. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was a cra crash MBA crash course. So <laughs> thank you very much for being there. Thank you both so much too. I love them. Yeah. Thank you so much, Paul.